Blog Talk Radio. This show is dedicated to the very beautiful, legendary, and incomparable Whitney Page. On last year, she was crowned Miss Consensual Plus 2013, but we lost Earth's angel shortly after her capturing her dream. Whitney Page, we love you, and may you continue to rest in eternal peace. A million times or more I've thought about you. The years of tears, the last of things we used to do. Our memories that hold me like a sunny day You touch my life in such a special way I miss the way you ran your fingers up through my hair Those crazy nights we cuddled in your easy chair Oh no, I won't let foolish patterns Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the talk with Micah and friends. And yes, it is me, Micah. I want to thank everyone for your continued support. Um, Remember, you can also subscribe to the show via iTunes and blogtalkradio.com. We're actually nearing the end of our very first season, and I'm so very excited. Um, Today's show is actually episode number 19, okay? And we just have a few more episodes um, of our season. And, of course, we're going to have a whopping season finale. So I want you guys to definitely stay tuned to that, okay? All right. Now, if you guys would like your event advertised during the free and clear segment, um, feel free to drop me an email at thetalkwithmicah at gmail.com. Um, and don't forget to follow the show via Twitter at MicahTheTalk or via Facebook, The Talk with Micah and Friends, okay? Next up is the free and clear. Free and clear. Free and clear segment. All right, all right, all right. Thanks for always staying tuned and in tune to the free and clear segment. And do I have some announcements for you guys today? All right. Sunday, May 4th, 2014 at the XS Ultra Lounge, they'll be having Miss Amazon NBU Grand starring Tamara Chevalier, who happens to be Miss NBU Grand 2013. All right. Categories include presentation white, sportswear, evening gown, talent, question and answer. Entry fee is $125. And again, it'll be held at 708 Spring Street at the XS Ultra Lounge. Again, that is Amazon. MBU Grand. All right? All right. What else do we have here? Miss Duval Plus. Miss Duval Plus 2014 will be held Sunday, April 27, 2014, at the Scottish Rite Cathedral in Jacksonville, Florida. Registration and rehearsals at 1 p.m. Admission to the pageant is $25. Showtime is at 8 p.m. Categories include presentation, self-expression, talent, sportswear or swimwear, Evening gown and question and answer, okay? The winner will receive $1,200, you'll actually get at crowning, okay? For more information, you go to www.alwaysduval.com. And again, this is Miss Duval Plus 2014, all dressed up in love, honoring the divine Tanisha Cassidine, all right? The Continental Pageant Plus and Elite. I almost couldn't get that out, guys. The Continental Pageant Plus and Elite will be held this coming weekend, all right? And, of course, you know I'll be there. 
Plus, preliminary starts Sunday, April 20th at the Park West Theater. Doors open up at 6, competitions at 7. The Plus Finals is going to be held Monday, April 21st at the Park West Theater in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And the Elite Preliminaries will actually be held Sunday, April 20th, um, along with the preliminaries for the Plus on the very same date of April 20th. And their finals will be held on Tuesday, April 22nd at the Baton Show Lounge. All right? And one last announcement, one last announcement. Don't forget Philly Black Pride and the Pin Relays Weekend will be held next weekend, all right? I'm going to post all the information to the Talk With Mike and Friends Facebook page. I mean, they're going to have um, speed dating. They're going to have a day party. They're going to have a a mini ball. Um, They're going to have... Seven Streeter, um, who's going to host uh, the parties on uh, Sunday. Oh, it's just so much, so much, so much information, so little time for me to announce it. But, again, don't forget, guys, if you're in the New York, Boston, Delaware, D.C., you know, Virginia, all those areas surrounding area Chicago, come on down to Philly Black Pride, baby, okay? All right. Next up, we have the beautiful Miss Continental Plus 2013, Miss Fahrenheit. Chicago business mogul, as I like to call him, Mr. Jim Flint, who actually had a vision and made it come to, to life in 1980 with crowning his very first Miss Continental Queen, Chili Pepper. Now, in 1991, Miss um, Continental Plus was formed with his very first queen being Miss Ginger Grant, who now sits as Jim Flint's right-hand woman. Now, during all Continental pageants, now, after nine years of attending Mr. and Miss Continental, I finally decided on last year to get a taste of Miss Continental Plus Easter weekend, okay? And when I tell you, I think that I'm, I'm hooked, okay? Um, hence why I'll be going there this weekend. And also good luck to all the ladies um, that will be vying for the, the covenant title of Miss Continental Plus as well as Miss Continental Elite. And last year, you know, I came into the competition not really rooting for a certain person, but someone who captured my heart and my attention was none other than the reigning Miss Continental Plus, Miss Fahrenheit from Toronto, Canada. So I'm very fortunate today to have her sit down and talk with me, you know, just for a few minutes. You know, she's getting ready for um, the relinquishing of her title, but I'm so glad that she is with us today, you know, to talk about who she is, her journey, her career, the life of Miss Continental Plus, and her future endeavors. So I welcome to the talk with Mike and friends, Miss Continental Plus herself, Fahrenheit. Welcome to the show, Fahrenheit. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so looking forward to this. <laughs> You're most definitely welcome, and, and so am I. I'm definitely looking forward. Um, so, I, you know, let's go ahead and jump right in. Um, tell us Absolutely. a little about tell us a little about Fahrenheit. You know, where you're originally from, your hobbies, and then tell us also what prompted you to start in the art of female impersonation. Okay, um, I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. I grew up just outside of the city, probably 30 minutes away in a small town called Newmarket. Um, I had a normal, I guess as normal childhood as most of us have had. Mm -hmm. I began dancing um, at the age of 14, 
and that took me into uh, competitive, the sort of competitive dance arena. And from there, I started dancing professionally. I went to the National Ballet School of Canada, where I then joined the company. Um, I left okay. the National Ballet School of Canada actually to um, I was I auditioned and uh, received a spot in a Cirque du Soleil show in Las Vegas called O. Um, many many years ago now, okay. and it was. Um, through a severe car accident, I was on my way to teach. I had come back from Vegas to uh, Toronto to teach classes at a friend's dance studio, and I was hit by a car uh, driving to the location, and they thought I broke my neck. And so because of that, I had to have extensive uh, rehabilitation and physiotherapy, which then made my contract with Cirque null and void. Um, and so mm-hmm. it was through all that time off and having to recover and uh, recoup and rebuild myself that I realized I needed an avenue to perform that wasn't so um, strenuous on my body. Okay. So, uh, it was at that age I was coming out of the closet and I was finding my way around learning about myself and it was through that I found to drag and that's sort of how drag happened for me. I had go-go dance and things like that in the past but found yeah. it, it lacked something. It lacked the the air and the sophistication and the glamour that I was used to be being on a big stage with costuming and makeup and lights. And so that's sort of how drag happened for me originally. Okay. So you just uh, you just kinda just kinda ease into it. You you found something that um I guess kind of matched what you were what you were accustomed to or it what felt you were a, used a to. void I felt I was missing, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Well I can definitely say the passion I can tell you I can I can tell because I sat like based on the runway last year or whatever. And um, I could tell that there was a passion for dance, and you love dance, and it's like it, it seems as though you came alive. And I, I felt yes. all of that. <laughs> I felt all of that. Well, that's so, good. I'm, I'm doing my job then. <laughs> oh, most definitely. And that's why, you know, I said in the opening that you kind of captured my heart, you know, because during uh, preliminary night, I think you did, you did the same talent, right? Is that correct? Yes, I just okay, added dancers. Okay, You just added dancers, right. right. And I was like, oh, wow, she is powerful. And it's like you were right beside me and you were so fit. And I was like, oh, God, I love it. And then um, then found out, of course, it was beautiful. So, um, again, uh, definitely something uh, something new, you know, for people who didn't who don't know who Fahrenheit is. That's there. I didn't know any of that, that she, you know, went to yeah. um, the, the school of dance and all that. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now tell us uh, a little, tell us how you uh, got the name Fahrenheit or, or what, what did that come about? Fahrenheit, I, when I originally started drag, I started as Flame. Flame was my original drag name, and um, this was a long time ago, and so gays then were called flamers. So I would say, oh, my name's Flame, and then people would make fun of it and say, oh, there's a flamer, and it just didn't fit. It just didn't work, and I didn't (laughs) like being made fun of while trying to do something I was passionate about. And so, honestly, this is the truth, and I've told this story to everybody. Nobody ever believes it. I was flipping through the newspaper, and in the Toronto newspaper, I'm sure in most newspapers, in the back of the newspaper are the ads for the strippers and the escorts and all that kind of thing. Right. And there was a, this stripper coming to Toronto, and her name was Fahrenheit. And she was platinum blonde hair with large breasts and really voluptuous, and she was Miss Nude something, Miss Nude World okay. or Miss Nude Canada. And I thought, that's such a great name. And I'll just change the spelling, and it's not like I'm ever going to meet her. Or I'll never, right. you know, it'll never, <laughs> we'll never bump into each other that it'll ever matter. And so that's how I actually got the name. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay, okay, cool. Well, I love it. I love it. Because um, at first, I, I think that weekend last year, you know, it was like Fahrenheit, then it was like Fahrenheit, then it was like, I was like, okay, so which one is it? <laughs> you yeah. know? It's kind of a mix of both. I mean, I spell it unique just to make it my own, but I mean, okay. how you say it is. I don't care how you say it, as long as you say it, I'm good. With right, it. as long as you say it, right, right. Acknowledge and, and address you as such. Okay, definitely, exactly. definitely understand. Um, now, I firmly believe that in order to be a positive advocate within or a positive role model within the LGBTQ community and remain connected, that you must devote your time and efforts to a worthy cause. So, tell us about your invo- tell us about your involvement in Toronto when it pertains to community service, and then also your involvement in Toronto's Gay Pride. Okay. Uh, well, as far as community service, every year um, there is an LGBT youth camp in uh, just outside of Toronto, and it is for, um, I believe it's from 12 to 18, so high school students basically, who are struggling with identity or gender issues or any of those sorts of questioning, either allies or them, you know, them themselves fall into one of those categories. We have a camp that's a week that we go into a cabin-esque, it's, it's 
pretty rustic. I mean, there's running water and that kind of stuff. But beyond that, there's campfires, and we create events and activities and bonding and building skills and learning skills and adjusting skills to help sort of prepare them for the future and what happens. And for the last few years, I've donated my time to this camp. So for a week in the summer, I usually take my week off of shows, and -hmm. I'll go there, and I'll take – the last time I was there, I had four campers in my specific group, and out of the four, I had three that were questioning their gender. One had already started transitioning, which at a teenage year was, you know, something very new to me. So it was very interesting yeah. for someone who's still going through puberty and has already dealt with, you know, questioning their gender and is doing something about it. So we did all those things. You know, how do you, how do you prepare to go swimming, at the, you know, in the lake when there's boys mm-hmm. around and you see yourself as a girl and, and all those awkward things that can happen when you're, you know, that you don't know who to talk to. And so they came exactly. That was great. Yeah, I also go to a lot of public schools, um, universities and colleges in Toronto and the area, um, tell my story and speak of experiences I've had, different ways that people can uh, deal and integrate and um, learn to deal and, you know, speak and, and uh, I'm running out of words, I'm sorry, <laughs> with uh, interacting with people of different, you know, gender identities okay. uh, to make it easier not only for them to understand but for us to be accepted. Um, and as far as pride goes, I have done Toronto Pride for ooh, uh, most of the years I've been performing. I'd say probably 10 years now. Okay. Um, Toronto's actually hosting World Pride uh, in June this year, um, which I've heard that before. I, <laughs> I am doing a, um, a drag musical. So uh, okay. I have just received the script and the video of choreography. So I'll be doing that as soon as I get back. And... Um, I've done the parade. I've been Miss Gay Toronto, and that means in the parade, I've you know I've done a lot of pageantry in Toronto. I've done a lot. I do a lot of shows in Toronto, um, so I try to get out there and get involved and really you know amp up community support for sure. Well, definitely, I, I love that. Let me let me ask you because um, something you said kind of touched on when you said you you have the camp and you speak to those who question their you know their gender identity and things of that nature. It goes back to a um, an interview I did earlier in the year where I had um, about six, I believe it was six transgendered women on the line, um, one of which is, you know, the famous T.S. Madison. Then we have Kenya Black Dupree that lives in Chicago, just and a few other girls. Mm -hmm. And um, I talked about, I want to get your stance on it. I talked about when I was researching, you know, with transgender rights and things of that nature, I I came upon a video. I believe it was Diane Sawyer, who's one of my um, idols. Uh, She did a a documentary or a, a story on, a few, some, I think it was, it was two little, well, it started out as boys, little boys. It started out as little boys. Okay. And then um, there, you know, around about six, seven, eight, you know, they kind of was questioning their gender. They they, they adapted more to the female things than, than the male things. And then, of course, you know, with family and going to, to, to um, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose my words, going to, you know, uh, family sessions with psychiatrists and things of that nature, it comes to say, okay, well, I think that, you know, your your son wants to be a girl and things of that nature. So what ends up happening, long story short, is that the parents start to um, administer or have a doctor administer testosterone blockers for the kids mm-hmm. at, you know, age 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever. So what mm-hmm. is your saying? And that kind of caused a ruckus with the girls, okay, because some people were like, no, and some people were like, well, yes, you know, if that's what they want. So do you think that um, – well, what do you think about that? What do you think about parents, you know, once they've kind of realized that their child wants to be, you know, a guy or wants to be a girl, you know, the opposite of their sex, you know, and giving and taking them to the doctor and, get, and giving them testosterone blockers to start out with? What do you think about that? Like, do you have any feelings toward that? I, I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of feelings and opinions about it. Okay. Firstly, I think as a parent, you are responsible for your child and their happiness and their growth. And I think if as a child you can, if you're comfortable enough to say to your parent, I don't feel comfortable in my own body, this this is not how I see myself. If you have that terminology at that young of age, there's a reason for it. There's a reason you're searching for this information. To me, testosterone blockers are not, they they won't change anything. If you take blockers for two years and then say, hmm, I kind of, you know, I don't feel this way anymore. Things are changing. Mm-hmm. Once you go off the blockers, things go back to normal. You know, okay. the blockers will only um, postpone what's going to happen. If you do not oh, okay. introduce any form of hormone therapy as well as the blocker, mm-hmm. all that's happening is just stopping puberty. So you can really get a good, clear sense in your head of what you want to do. 
once you start taking hormones on top of the blockers is when things start changing. Got you. Got you. Okay. Okay. Did you ever see the story? Or on, I on didn't, the... um, but I have okay. heard a lot of, there's a lot of cases about um, this. And actually, when I did the camp last year, there was a student who was in grade six mm-hmm. who was a female and um, same kind of thing, was a female uh, identifying as male, and the parents were at a very big crossroads, and the whole thing was, well, if you put them on blockers, it just slows down the process. It gives the child more time to think. It gives it takes the rush away when mm-hmm. it helps because once you start going through puberty is sort of when the major changes and it becomes harder to reverse. So it just gives you more time to really adjust and understand what's going on and what you really want to do before you make any permanent steps. Gotcha. Well, what I'll do uh, Fahrenheit is, you know, once we're done, I'll send you the two videos so you can watch for yourself and maybe you can share with, you know, oh, please do. With I love that. Um, and while we're on, you know, transgender, I would like to ask you this question. Um, now, from my understanding, you live your life as a transgender woman, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Now, I, I sound like Darth Vader today, but that's just because I'm a cold. So <laughs> you are don't fine. hold it against me. No, no, I'm sure they're not because I'm not, and you don't sound like Darth Vader. <laughs> but uh, I recently was in Philadelphia, um, as I always am, visiting my partner, and I saw a poster that read, Trans lives have value. Violence against the trans community has to stop. And I took a picture of it, and I was like, oh, my God, like I, I told my partner, I was like, I love that, you know. And um, But my thing, my question to you um, is what do you feel as a transgendered woman yourself needs to happen within our own community to help fight the brutality towards our transgender women? Acceptance. I think it's all about acceptance. I think understanding somebody is finding a way to accept them. Whether you agree with their train of thought or agree where, with where their head is at, you have to accept them as a human. You have to accept them as a person, as a child of God. You have to allow them to express their own individuality just the way you have. We right. are our own person. And I didn't choose to be this way just for attention or just to make my career easier. This is how I was born. I mean, you can ask me, you can ask my parents. When I was a little baby, I always knew God made a mistake. That's what I used to say. God made a mistake, Mom. I'm supposed to be a girl. Uh, well, God doesn't make mistakes. Well, something's wrong, Mommy. I'm, this is wrong. Right. I think the problem is acceptance, is that as trans women, we look in the mirror and we know what we want to see. And then you go in society and they want to remind you a hundred times over that you're not that person. Right. So that's why the violence is so high, because we fight so hard just to be accepted as who we see ourselves as. That's powerful. That's powerful. Now, speaking of your speaking of your family, um, I would assume that your family, speaking of you know, and saying acceptance, I, I I would take it that your family is fully accepting of of you know, your life as a stranger. And now they are. It took a while. I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. They, my um, my father's a paraplegic. Uh, he's okay. been in a wheelchair since I was two years old. And okay. so, for a lot of my young, young, early developmental years, I I spent most of my time with my mother. And so, when I first started coming out as uh, originally, I came out as a gay male, which is 90% of the time how it happens. Um, right. You know, they took it as their fault. My mom said, oh, I spent too much time with you. I babied you too much. So you felt like you had to be like me. And my dad, of course, said the, the direct opposite. I wasn't there to teach you how to, you know, ride a bicycle or mm-hmm, play mm-hmm. baseball or those things. So, therefore, you just felt like you had to be like your mom because that's what you knew. And it took a long time for me to say no. It had nothing to do with any of that. I mean, even if I could catch a ball and ride a bike, I don't want to do any of those things. So now, absolutely, very accepting, very, it just, it's guilt. You know, parents then, you know, many years ago, the information wasn't the same as it is today. The internet, you know, wasn't, wasn't really existent. So for them, it was an automatic something they did wrong. They took acceptance for my happiness and thought, we made our child unhappy, so it's something we did, instead of it just being what it is. Yeah, and, and, and having, you know, I'm, I'm close to a lot of transgender women, um, and then, of course, knowing their stories. It, all, it, it takes a minute. First, it already is a, it's a bit much because you come out as a gay male or, you know, yes. a, you know so it, that's already number one. So they got to get over that hump. So then they get over that yeah. hump, now it's like, oh, well, you know what? And, by the way, you know, I also, you know, feel this way. So, it, you know, like you said, acceptance, and it also takes time, and I believe it also takes education. You know, once we start Absolutely. educating our family and our friends and, and things of that nature, you know, th- they'll have a better understanding. And, again, 
10 years ago, 15 years ago, things, I mean, I wouldn't even go back and say 20 and 30. I would just say 10 and 15, things are so, mm-hmm. were, were so different, you know. So I think, yeah, I mean, at, go ahead. I don't think we even had internet in my high school until my last year of high school, maybe. Mm, so, you okay. know what I mean? Like, it's just the information wasn't accessible. There was right. no, the language wasn't there. Transsexual and and transgendered and gay and all those things were not topics that were openly discussed. The only time you ever saw those things were on shows like Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer. Or, <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, and you oh, look yeah. at these people who are throwing furniture at each other and screaming and yelling, yeah. and those are not people I role modeled myself after, right. but those were the people that they identified with those characteristics. And so you're thinking, well, that's not me. I don't want to beat everybody up and throw a chair at them. Right. I just want to it, live my life as a girl. Exactly. So. And, and then they, they paint the picture of... Because, um, you know, I was sitting here in, in, in the middle school and the high school watching Jerry Springer as one of my favorites, and I love the transsexual shows, you know. But, at, you know, looking, yeah. then it was so entertaining, but now it's like, well, no, you know, I'm not a transgender woman, of course, but I, I'm an advocate for them. And I have, like I said before, I have many people that are in my life that are in my inner circle that are, and I care a lot about them. And it's like you look at it now and it's like all they were – the, the only picture that you had of them were, oh, they were uh, women that were, or guys that dressed up as women, and then they came out to the straight guy and told them, hey, I'm a man, you know. And it was just exactly. like so degrading and disrespectful, you know. But, you know, again, yeah. those were the times. So. But thank you for that. Um, thank you. I just want to touch on some community service things and, and the transgender rights. So we'll go um, a little bit further in. Um, I think we all have people in and out of the industry that inspire us on the daily. Okay, and if I'm, if I'm correct, so you go by the outside of the stage is Chantel? Chantel's okay. my legal name, correct. Chantel, okay. So who's Chantel's biggest inspiration and who's Fahrenheit's biggest inspiration? Wow. Okay, I've never been asked that before. Um, <laughs> I would say um, Chantel, or my biggest inspiration, is my mom. Okay. By far, and I'm sure that's a popular answer from a lot of people. Um, <laughs> like I had said, my dad's a paraplegic, mm-hmm. and so a lot of my, you know, my very young childhood developmental years were spent a lot of time with my mom. My dad was in the hospital having surgeries and therapy and all that sort of thing, and so I really grew up with her. And over the years, we've just become very best friends. And I look at this woman now as not just my mother, but really as my best friend. I can tell my mom anything and I can look at the life she has given me and the life she's given my father and how hard she fought and how much of a lady she is and all those characteristics that I hope to achieve in my life I've learned from her and so to me that's the biggest inspiration in my life is always my mother well yay mom (laughs) right (laughs) absolutely um as far as drag or as far as Fahrenheit goes Mm-hmm. Wow, that's it's hard because I tend to like qualities or admire qualities from different people for different reasons. I like okay. the way this person paints or I like the way this I would say, you know, if if there was anybody to be on a pedestal mm-hmm. for me in as Fahrenheit it would be Mimi Marks, to be honest. Okay. Um before I ever knew anything about Continental. I was in Toronto, I you know, whatever, was doing my thing and um Someone said, you look like this girl from Chicago, Mimi Marks. And I was like, okay, whatever. Sure. <laughs> you know, you don't know who it is. So you just hope <laughs> right. the and go on with your day. And then a few years later, a friend of mine said, have you ever seen that girl, Mimi Marks? I said, no, I've been told I look like her. And they said, look at this picture. And when I saw her, I went, oh, my God. She mm. is everything and then some to me. Mm-hmm. And then I have, I mean, I've been blessed to meet her and I've, you know, been able to get to know her and, and call her a friend. And, Right. And still to me, she's just a phenomenal person and a, an incredible entertainer, and she encapsulates all those things that I try to bring to the stage when I'm Fahrenheit. Yes, I love I love Mimi, and I love her story, and um, Transtasia is one of the DVDs that I own. I've, I've owned that for, I think, right when it came out, I went to this bookstore when I was living in Atlanta and went and got it, and her story is the very first one, and her story is Still, I, I watched it with my uh, with my partner maybe about three or four weeks ago because uh, he had never seen it. We watched it, and it was still as touch. It was still you know as touching as yeah. it was. It's first out, you can see it. There's no yeah. There's no delusion. There's no smoke and mirrors. When you get to know her, you really get to know her. Oh my! I think that's part of it. You can see she's, you know, she's 
beautiful, beautiful, stunningly beautiful and stunningly talented and all those wonderful physical things that we all hold important mm-hmm. in this career. But beyond that, she's a real tried and true, wonderful, good, giving human being. And I think Most that definitely. makes it even more powerful. And she's fun. She, she's a party. Yeah. She's fun. So you're right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, I also um, asked a question to any entertainer, and I've interviewed, you know, uh, Mr. and Ms. Continental and Mr. and Ms. Black Universe and all of those. So I've interviewed them already, but this is a question I ask everyone. I'm going to ask you as well. Um, what do you feel is the biggest misconception about Fahrenheit, if there's anything? But what do you think maybe? Oh, there, I'm, I'm sure there's tons of them. Um, <laughs> what have it you comes, heard? It comes in the, uh, nothing to my face, but behind okay. my back you hear everything. Okay. I would say most people think I'm a bitch. I don't know okay. if I'm allowed to say that, but that's what yeah, you're allowed. I think, yeah, you're allowed. Okay. I think in defense of, of those comments, I would say people misunderstand me. I mm-hmm. came from a professional performing background where mm-hmm. I did eight shows a week, six, you know, eight shows a week, six nights a week. You were to be there on time, ready. You know, that's how I was trained. That's how I grew up in the art of performance. And then I have just brought that into the way I do my drag. Like I, right. I still work that way. And a lot of people find that I can be cold and standoffish and that's and a bitch about it, but that's not, that's not my personality. I'm just there to make sure I get my job done because I right. feel like that has, it is a job to me. It is my career. I've done and seen wonderful things, but it's a job first. So I make sure I do my job properly. And then, you know, I relax and, unwind and all those things, but I think that's a big misconception about me. Yeah, people have to realize, again, like you said, it is your job. You're an entertainer, but that is your job, and, and you know, people think it's all fun. And I'm sure, you know, there are fun parts to it, but, again, it, it is your job. So just, you know, if, if you're in corporate America and you're doing your job, I can't come on your job and, you know, have all types of, you know, expect certain things. You have exactly. to be a professional, you know. So I totally yeah. get, the, get that because that, you know, my mother, Raquel Lord, that was, the, you know, people's biggest misconception about her. Oh, she's a but no, she's a professional and it's her business, you know? Exactly. So I totally yeah. get that. Totally get that. Um as stated in my intro, Continental is a system mm-hmm. of which I adore and I support year after year. And um but my question to you is what attracted you to the system and what do you re- remember most about your first year competing at Continental Plus? Uh, okay. Well, what I talked to me first was, um, at the time, when I, uh, last year when Whitney won, it was mm-hmm. my 10 year anniversary. It had mm-hmm. been 10 years last year since I had first started competing. Okay. Um, and when at that time, Continental was the only national pageant that allowed Canadian contestants. Okay. So it was all, when I was in, in Toronto, that's all we knew. When you wanted to go bigger than the city, you mm-hmm. went to Continental. That's all. Okay. There was no EOI. There was no US of A. There, you know, right, there, right. those pageants hadn't at that time opened up to international contestants. Okay. So that's all we knew. When I came and saw it for the first time, I knew it was a fit. I knew when I saw the stage and what people brought to the stage, I knew mm-hmm. that was the, the, the drag that I aspired. I wanted to be glamorous. I wanted to be beautiful. I wanted to be talented and well-spoken and those, you know, I got oh, yeah. it. That's, that's the term I always say. Yeah. Uh, that's how I wanted to see it. So that's why it made sense. Um, as far as my first, what, what was the part about my first time? What, what did I um, I said, you know, what, what attracted you to the system, and what do you remember most about your first year competing at Continental Play? I remember walking in cocky, thinking, oh, I can do the splits, and I can, you know, do a kick, and I can flip around, so it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. And then walking in and seeing 26 other girls that could do the same thing or better, huh. and thinking, oh. <laughs> right. I think because I came from somewhere completely different. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was all new to me, so I just assumed, well, in my area, in my part of, you know, in my, in my city, I'm pretty good at what I do. I get a lot of respect, and people really like me, and I'm, you know, I'm doing well at, the, at my business here. So mm-hmm. it's just going to transfer automatically to there. And when I got okay. there, I got quickly put into my place, as that's not always the way. They're still learning to grow, you know, to do and, and things to grow on, and I hope I've done that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, de- I definitely believe you do, and I think that the patrons and the lawyer supporters of Continental can agree um, with me on that as well. Now, um, for those that may not know, um, 
you actually were crowned first runner-up on last year. So I want you to take us back to the to that very night when you were awarded first runner-up, and, and you know, and that you said that was your tenth year anniversary last that was, year. Uh, my ten year, ten years ten year. overall. I, that, that was my fifth time competing. Uh-huh. My time, my t- over ten years. It was five okay. times over. Yeah. Gotcha. So what? Um, what were your like? What were you feeling at the, at that moment when they said, you know, first runner-up Fahrenheit? You know, what were you feeling at that moment? What were you feeling afterwards? You know, just get just tell me about just that that little part. I was lost, to be honest. And this is, I mean, I was very lost. Mm-hmm. I had sort of um, not built up in my head that I was going to win, but mm-hmm. I had decided um, that this time I was going to be all me the whole weekend. I was going to do a talent that I wanted to do, and I was going to do it the way I wanted to do it. I wanted to be mm-hmm. a little bit sexy mm-hmm. and a little bit provocative, and that's that's part of who I bring to the stage, and that's what I wanted to do. I was going to do the gown. I was going to wear the gowns I wanted to wear. I was right. going to, you know, do the swimsuit. Those, it was all me. There was no editing by someone else going, I really don't think right. that's fine. And so when they called me, of course, I was defeated in the moment thinking, oh, so close, but again, not the winner. And all I kept thinking right. was I have nothing else. I don't have anything else. There's nothing in the reserves going, oh, I could wear this next year. I, could, I really wanted to do this talent next year anyway. I had nothing, and that lasted for a, quite a while. I just sort of sat there and thought, I want this title. I want to go back, but I, don't have, I, I can't think of anything to bring that makes me feel it's better than what I just did. Okay. Now, now staying on that same course, um, for those that, you know, we lost Whitney Page to a battle with cancer in June of 2013. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And shortly after, you extended the opportunity as first runner-up to represent and be crowned the new Miss Continental Plus. Um, I'm sure stepping into a role unexpectedly can be a bit challenging. So tell us your initial feelings behind the acceptance of the title and what was your plan or your mission as Miss Continental Plus for the remainder of the reign? Okay. Um, there's many truths to this story, so I'll just give you <laughs> one of many, I guess. Okay. Well, it's not, it sounds funny, but it's not. Um, okay. Sadly, um, a lot of people in the public felt I needed to know Whitney's business the entire time she was sick. Mm. Uh, so people privately and, and discreetly would message me and say, oh, this is what's going on, and, you know, this is what's... So I... Um, I unfortunately knew how bad it was getting before yeah. most people did, I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that Whitney and I were friends. People just okay. think I was just a first runner-up and we were strangers, but we weren't. We had been friends. I believe she and I competed the first time in 2005 together. Okay. And in 2009, uh, when Coco Van Cartier won, Whitney and I were, uh, I was contestant four and she was contestant five. Okay. And in rehearsals before nationals, I had ripped my Achilles tendon. So I was mm-hmm. unable to walk. Um, I yeah. had to uh, duct tape myself into my shoes and everything. And every night, uh, both nights of competition, Whitney would carry me up the stairs. Oh. In my gown, in my swimsuit, in my talent, she would help me up those stairs and put me in my spot so that I could walk out as to the best of my ability right. to compete. So a lot of people don't realize that there was a connection between she and I. We were friends. We did talk. We called each other on our birthdays and you know there were pleasantries when we saw each other it wasn't just a business relationship right so um when she passed it wasn't about the title right away you know because mm-hmm. that was the first thing she passed and everyone's phone blew up well what's going to happen you know my phone of course what are you going to do and i said first of all it's not about that this exactly. that wasn't a time to think about the pageant this mm-hmm. was a time to pay for whitney and to right to celebrate her life and rejoice in everything she brought to this art form and to who, who, what we all got from her, the, the gift, the talent, and the beauty that was Whitney Page. It was time to celebrate that honor and her life. And that's Almost what I definitely. said. It's not about Continental right now. You know, there is no prelim next week. There is nothing that needs to be done. Right now, what needs to be done is we need to pay respect to Whitney. That's right. All about Whitney. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so um, when the offer was presented... Um, I, I don't really have a it felt right to me mm-hmm. it felt it was something I should do I, you know okay. I prayed and I did what I needed to do and I spoke to my inner circle and it just felt like um, 
Continental has given me a lot as a person and as, as a transgender woman mm-hmm. and has given this community a lot. And I think, um, you know, there's only ever going to be so many Miss Continental Pluses. And if I That's have right. been asked to fill in that role, then that means you trust me with the sacredness of that crown. You trust me to carry on the legacy that she is leaving. And so how do you, I, it doesn't see, I couldn't fathom not taking that. Not taking it, right. And so I took it. And you should and have. So I, I, <laughs> and we thank you for, you know, carrying it on, you know, to the, to, to the, um, to the last mile. Um, but, yeah, again, rest in peace, Whitney. We, we will always love you. Um, Absolutely. What's, I'm going to play this, I want to say it's a little game, but I'm going to name five people. Is it five people? One, okay. Two, yeah, five people. Okay, so I want you to give me the first word that comes to mind when you hear the name, okay? Okay. First name is Khalil Valentino. Incredible. Jim Flint. I have like 20 words that all pop in my head at the same time. <laughs> I, uh, the first one that popped in was groundbreaking, but that's too groundbreaking. Hard. Okay, uh, Nasha Lopez, sister, Courtney Page Van Wells, inspirational, and last but certainly not least, Whitney Page, iconic. And yeah, I just got bumps all over that. Really <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> Now, is there anything that you would like to see personally change within gay pageantry, if anything? Um, I don't know about specific changes, I don't mm-hmm. think. Okay. I think, you know, I think there's a system for every for every for everybody. I think there's, <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's a version of something for everybody. I think there's enough, there's many ways that it works. I think it's, I think we're starting to spread it a little thin, in my honest opinion, as it seems to be there's a new pageant every few weeks. And I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just think we could corral that in. You know, why, why do we have to keep thinning out the herd and pushing us all in different directions? Why don't we push us all together? Exactly. You know, bring it all in. in. Those years of the past when it was, you know, a battle and there was, you know, 20 girls and any one of them could easily won. Those are the years that everyone always talks about. Mm-hmm. But we don't have those years anymore because there's, 52 pageants a year now. So you're not going to get 25 girls to go, all go to the same one when there's so many other options. Yeah, don't get me started. But I don't started. think it's a, <laughs> Don't yeah. get me started on that. <laughs> I know, I totally, totally, because, you know, I'm a pageant guru, as people say, and I totally get it. I mean, it's it's too many, and um, every every other month there's a new pageant coming out um, without a purpose. And I do believe that you sh- you should have a purpose, and if you're going to attract people to the system, attract them for all the right reasons and not the wrong exactly. reasons, you know, because um, we need to help, you know, build people up, inspire them, and, and you know, ha- have them to, to make lasting impressions on other people's lives, especially the up-and-coming entertainers. So totally get it. Trust me, I do. Um, what has been the most memorable moment during your reign as Miss Continental Plus, aside from you being crowned? What has been the, what has been the most memorable moment during your reign as Miss Continental Plus? It would be um, two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. we had a Texas tour. Courtney mm-hmm. arranged a, all the rainings we traveled together. We arrived in Houston, which is where Courtney lives, and we loaded up her car literally from wheels to roof with luggage, <laughs> and we traveled for five, for five days straight. And um, the whole week was phenomenal. I don't... When you put four people who don't hang out all the time or spend a lot of time together in a vehicle, it can go one of many ways. Like that. Yes, it can. I mean, it could have been many things with personalities and egos and, and costumes and all that craziness. Right. You don't know how it's going to go. And I will say it was probably one of, if not the very best week of my career. I have never laughed so hard and had so much fun and joy and love as I did in their company for that week. And to top it off, so sort of the best moment of the whole week is um, my last prelim was in Texas. Right. So uh, it was Miss Illusions Continental Plus, and it was in Texas, and they were all there. And for me, it was a big deal because Whitney came from Texas. And so the crown started there. Yeah. And it was a big moment for me that my last official duty was on her turf. And so uh, we – 
we cheers to her before this pageant started, uh-huh. and I said a prayer to her at my station, and it was it was just a circle. Life is a circle to me, and it was it was a blessing that I got to end the circle with her, and I got to end it in the company and in the love of people that I've shared the whole year with. Well, Stephanie, I saw the pictures, and you know I follow all of um, every one of you on. Facebook, so I saw all the pictures, and I was just waiting for the funny videos. <laughs> I was like, did anybody do anything? No, we had, agreed we, wouldn't, we had agreed we wouldn't do videos. <laughs> okay. Because, because, you know, some stuff yeah. can get incriminating. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then by the end, we were taking pictures of each other sleeping, and we were getting a little, it was just getting a little dangerous, so we just sort yeah. of decided, let's just keep it private and amongst us and have oh, fun definitely. and be stupid and silly and enjoy it. So. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I did see the picture of, of Khalil uh, sleeping. Um, so yeah, there's one of Nature too. So I didn't see that one. <laughs> oh no, there's one of Nature too. So oh, I can't wait to see them. Um, this Be weekend. sure to check it out. I sure will, Nature. I'm I'm gonna check it out. Now, is there um is there anything you know that you wanted to do during your reign that you weren't able to accomplish since being crowned? Um, you know, they are, everybody has a list of things that they want to do, but sometimes you know because of time and Touring and all that. I didn't really have a list of things I wanted to do, to be honest, okay. I don't think. I okay. sort of just wanted to do whatever the job was in front of me. Right. Um, so I can't really say there's anything. I mean, I have a few days left, and there's some odds and ends on this end, but that's mm-hmm. just personal stuff. I don't really think that you know, relates to the rain. It's just my, you know, my obsessive compulsive disorder and <laughs> the way I want to present myself. Well, it's just gotcha. the way I want to present myself. I don't think it has to do with my year. It just sort of has to do with right. me and the way I came across over my years. So I don't mm-hmm. really know that I have an answer to that question. Okay. Not a problem. I totally understand. Now, I've heard that you have a lot of plus girls coming, or at least a lot of qualified, to capture the title of Miss Continental Plus yes. 2014. What piece of advice would you give to the next queen? Uh, then, like, after she wins or before she wins? Like, to all the contestants okay, okay, or the winners? I, I, Let's do this. Let's give give advice to all the contestants, you know, that are okay. that are vying for the title, and then also give Absolutely. advice to the the new queen. Okay, to the contestants, I would say be yourself. There is no formula to winning. If you look at all of the formers in the book, or all of us when they're on stage, none of us are the same. There is no carbon copy. There is no. If you wear a chiffon dress, if you wear a black bathing suit, if you wear do a talent with fans, you will win. It's not a guarantee. Those judges want to see the very best you you can be. That's that's the winner. The girl that is the most on her game that night is the winner. You can yeah. see. You can uh, see when I, she walks I, I, on in presentation. There's those girls that just have a little something in their strut, and you say, "That's the winner." Yeah, it's because she feels confident in what she's bringing, and that's what has to happen. Don't listen to anybody else. Do you? You do you the way you want to do it, and then it'll come to fruition. That's what I would say to the contestants. Okay. To the winner, I would say it's a whirlwind of a year. There's a lot that happens, but at the end of the day, and this goes back to you know me being a bitch, it is a job, and you have mm-hmm. to remember that. You have to make sure you. Stay in contact with the contestants and, and, you know, make sure that the business end of it is done because the success of it lies on the, the stuff that people don't see. That's right. I've been saying to a lot of girls, it's 25% on stage and 75% off stage. That's correct. And that's the part no one realizes. They just think if I have five pretty gowns and some cute numbers to do, I'll be fine. But that's not even half of the job. Okay. Thanks, so I'm sure they appreciate the advice. Um, and um, any of one of my callers, because I have a, uh, some callers on the line, if you do have a question for Ms. Constance Plus Fahrenheit, you can go ahead and press 1, and we'll take uh, one, two uh, of your questions, and then we'll go ahead and round out tonight's, um, tonight's interview, because I, I want Fahrenheit to go ahead and, you know, go back to working and, and kind of go loose in <laughs> for the weekend. Um, but what's the best advice? that you were given from a former queen or king of the continental system? Probably what I just said, be yourself and uh, do you. Just be me. Because I always thought I had to be something else. Most definitely not. I believe that, I like to say with the judges, if if you're just you, if you're humble and, and, and you're 
an entertainer and you exude confidence, not cocky, but, you know, that confidence and, mm-hmm. and you're sure what you do. And I, I say this for any competition. The judges can see that and they appreciate that. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, I've judged many pageants. I haven't, I haven't made my way up to continental and USA and things of that nature, but I, I've judged we'll you there. We'll get you there. Oh yeah, I, I, most definitely. I, I believe I will. Um, I always tell contestants, um, especially if there's an interview category um, prior to the stage pageant happening, that's where you capture them. That's that's where they're able to really see who you are as a person and you being genuine and honest and just having that conversation. So when you start there, and especially if you have a great package, you know, once you hit the stage, they fall in love with you. Now, that doesn't sway your scores or anything, you know, but it definitely helps. Yeah. You know, it it definitely Absolutely. helps. Um, and I, one thing I love about the Continental um, judges, either I'm either sitting alongside them or I'm in front of them, I always look at them, and they're so in awe. They love the art form. You know, they yeah. love the passion that you guys put They appreciate oh, what's happening. Definitely. Yeah. Most Definitely. I don't like a boring judge that just sits there, no. you know, having a certain look. So, yeah, most definitely. Um, callers, I guess no one – I guess maybe I asked all the questions <laughs> uh, needed <laughs> or whatever, which is, you know, great. Um, let me see if I had one other question I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Miss Continental Rain is almost over. Um, as of Monday, uh, you'll be relinquishing the title. Next Monday, you'll be relinquishing the title um, at the Park West Theater. Um, in Chicago, Illinois. Um, so after the rain is over and um, you are now considered a former, or a has-been, I'm just saying, <laughs> but as a former, I'm just saying, so, uh, do you have any future endeavors when it comes down to pageantry? I mean, you don't necessarily have to name them, but, you know, is there Absolutely something else that you would like to capture? Absolutely. Okay. Do All you want right. specifics? Well, if you want, to, if you want to give us one or two, that is, um, we can look for to support. You. I have a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of. There's a lot of doors um, that are, are open. I guess there's a lot okay. of things I want to try. Um, okay. My goal, and because I mean, this is the hot question sort of right now. Everyone wants to know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go. Right. And I've sort of said that I waited ten years for this this experience. Right. And so I'm not going to rush out of this experience to start a new one until right. I fully enjoyed this one. So I haven't made any concrete decisions, mm-hmm. um, and I won't until after Monday. Monday I'm going to um, enjoy my night mm-hmm. and pass on to the next, you know, wonderful lady. And then I'm going to take some downtime and just decompress and, you know, do some stuff just for me, and then I'll refocus on, you know, where the goals will, you know, take me. But there mm-hmm. is absolutely some things on my radar. Now, a question that I asked Nisha, and I'll ask you, do you think, it's, especially when it relates to Continental um, or any national competition for that matter, uh, do you think that it's very important for the young lady who aspires to be a Miss Continental, USA, an All-American Goddess, EOI, whatever the passion is, do you think it's necessary for them to, um, or it's imperative that they go and watch the pageant first prior to competing? I don't think it's necessary. Okay. I don't, I don't. It's a learning experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Some, everyone learns things differently. Mm-hmm. There are some girls that watch the videos and show up and do very well. There are some girls that will come and watch the pageant in person for years and years and years, mm-hmm. and then they'll compete. There are girls, you know, that will just, you know, come in and out at prelims once in a while, try a prelim, you know, take a few years off, try another pre. It's right. how you learn best. It's how you feel. And I think, like I said before, I think if you're yourself, you'll know what system fits you. If, you know, Continental isn't the fit, then you find a system that brings that to you. And you'll know without having to watch whether it's a, you can look at the categories and say, yes, those are, those are, that's who I am. Those are categories I would strive and do really well in. Or, you know, I think I might be better in a more creative, you know, with creative evening wear and creative presentation rather than swimsuit and, Interview, you know, it's right, from how right. you perceive your craft. I think. Okay. Well, um, looks like you have some lucky callers, so I'm going to okay. I'll, I'll choose two or three of them, and then um, we'll we'll conclude the interview. So we're going to start with Erico code six seven eight. Last four, the phone number seven eight. Last four digits of the phone number five three five eight. You are now on the line with Micah and Fahrenheit. If you can, please state your name, where you're calling from, and your question, please. 
Oh well, he that person hung up, so we're gonna go to someone else. All right. Before, I, before, I, I they got they got okay. They got scared. Uh, Eric code four zero four. The last four digits is nine five three zero. Four zero four. Last four digits of the phone number is nine five three zero. You are now on the line with Micah and Fahrenheit. If you can, please state your name, where you're calling from, and your question, please. Hello, um, this is Bernard. I'm calling from a different phone today. Um, um, My question is, um, do you feel that being being that the title was given, well, I don't want to say given to you, but um, you inherited the title through your first runner-up position. My question is, um, does that have some type of effect on you being that your initial intentions was to win the pageant. You know, like how do, how does that make you feel? Is it differently? Is it still like I will I, say the thing I've missed most out of my year was um being called your winner. You know, that's the only thing out of the whole experience that I didn't receive. I'm the only um reigning or former that has never had their name called on stage. And so it's actually funny if I can tell a quick story. Uh, my first official duty was to crown the next Mr. Continental, which was Khalil. And mm-hmm. I was standing with Courtney and Sasha Colby on stage, and the five gentlemen were um, holding hands. And I looked at the two girls. I said, this is so weird. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, because the last time I stood up here, my name wasn't the name called. So I never yeah. had that moment where you get the crown put on, and it was different for me. And at that point, I hadn't even been crowned yet. So it was very new for me. So I will say um, I did miss that moment, um, but it has only made me hungrier to achieve that moment later on. Hmm, Great. Well, thank you so very much, Bernard. Thank you for calling in. Thank you, Bernard. (laughs) Uh, We have area code 330, last for the phone number 1027. 330, last for the telephone number 1027. You are now on the line with Micah and Fahrenheit. Please state your name, where you're calling from, and your question, please. Hello, this is Skip calling from Ohio, and Micah, I'm, thank you for not calling me boring while I'm judging. And Sam, ah, hi, Sam. <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to call in. I wanted to make sure I got, I got home from work in time to do this tonight because I, I want everyone to know that, that, number one, I think this was probably one of those reigns. You know, they always say it's harder to reign than it is to win, but I think mm-hmm. – this is an exception to that. And, and I want everybody to know that I think Farah handled this with such grace in the moment that it, I, I, she is absolutely my friend forever, and I will always be in awe of how she carried herself through this year. You know, it was a difficult time for all of us, and we had a lot yeah. of conversations, Jimmy and I, about what to do, you know, when we lost Whitney. And mm-hmm. I, I want you to, I don't think anyone could have done a better job. I, I certainly agree with Thank you. you. <laughs> I was tears fell down my face. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Skip. No, Thank I you, like Skip. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed the show tonight, Mike. I want you, I want you to know that. I think, I think it was really enjoyable, and I think you asked a lot of good questions. And hey, you never know. We're always looking for judges. Could be you. Hey, <laughs> hey, may, maybe. And Skip, I will introduce myself to you on this um, weekend. I'm so excited to to meet you in person as well as um, Fahrenheit. Well, thank you very much, and I'll see you both in a couple of days. All right. Look thank forward you. to it. Bye. Thank you, Skip. Bye. Bye, Farrah. <laughs> thank you. Oh, that was lovely. I'm so <laughs> glad that was Skip who called in. Um, so I, I, I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and, and, and wrap it up. Um, I definitely enjoyed tonight. Okay. Um, I, I want to personally thank um, you, Fahrenheit, for joining me on this evening for this exclusive interview. Um, I sincerely hope that you do have an awesome give up on Monday. Um, I'm so glad, again, I can't say it enough, that I witnessed you compete on last year, and now I'm fortunate enough this year to see you pass the torch over to another, you know, very deserving young lady. Um, I'm also excited to meet you live and in person, as I, you know, as I said, on this coming weekend. And, of course, we'll take pictures and all that good stuff. Um, but, again, I also, <laughs> I also, you know, want to wish you the very best in your future endeavors, whatever they are. And I'm so sure that this is not the last that we will see or hear of you. So, again, I thank you. And everyone, you know, please be informed that um, there will not be a show on next Wednesday. Um, I've been going, you know, <laughs> week after week after week after week um, since December. Um, I do need to recover from my continental trip, and then I have to gear up for another trip to support Philly um, Black Pride. 
Um, but I will post a few shows for your personal enjoyment. And I'm um, get ready for April 30th, where I'm going to have an exclusive and candid interview with, and you know, an adult film star. Um, and then, of oh. course, uh, I know, right? <laughs> All right. Um, From A to B. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, or from A to X, maybe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> You're so crazy. And then on a, and then uh, on May, the date, but it's going to be my season finale. It'll be my 21st uh, show. 21 represents the day of my birthday. It also represents um, the day that me and my partner, um, you know, kind of hung out and chilled for the first time. And, it, and it's also the day that we, um, we officially, you know, said, hey, we are now a couple. So that 21 means a lot to me, and, you know, so that number – that's going to be the, the the 21st show will be the final uh, episode for season one of the Talk with Mike and Friends, and I'll be having some um, of RuPaul's Drag Race uh, contestants or stars on that show. So that's oh, going to be right. a, 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 that's going to be a fun field uh, show, and I have a lot of questions I need to ask them as well. Um, but now with all of that said, um, in closing, here is this week's quote: Never waste positive energy on negative people. And I'll repeat it again. Never waste positive energy on negative people, okay? And until next time, everyone, I hope you be blessed. Bye-bye.